Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is What's My PJ? What's My PJ? James 1, 2-4. And I know some of you are thinking, what's a PJ? Uh, some of you may have been here years ago when we, we hit this passage, and you'll see why we're hitting it again. Uh, some of you might remember the PJ uh, sto- the illustration. You'll find out soon enough, though, if you don't know what it is. We've been in the, we're actually in the book of Joshua, and we're in Joshua chapter 6. We just finished up Jericho. The walls fall down. We saw them fall. And we talked about how we all have Jerichos in our lives. Jerichos in our lives. And we're going to see today why God allows Jerichos to pop up, to keep popping up, what he's trying to accomplish in our life through this Jericho, through this PJ, all right? The timing of this is especially meaningful because it's Mother's Day, and don't forget, ladies, uh, all ladies, whether you're a physical mom or a spiritual mom, an emotional mom to somebody, everybody has such an impact. We uh, have some uh, flowers on the way out for all the ladies here, but all moms... Whether you're a physical mom or a spiritual mom, we face, moms, you face many Jerichos, challenges, right? Yeah, you can shake your head. It's okay, even though the kids might be here. You face many challenges. PJs, you face many PJs. Aren't you dying to find out what a PJ is? Hang on, hang on. Uh, I'm going to give you a hint on what a PJ is. I'm going to share Kim's PJ story, which I shared Back with, I think, James. I share it one other time, and everybody likes this story. Uh, Kim's PJ is Emily. All right? If you know Emily well, you know why she's the, the, her PJ. If, if Emily is not there, say she goes away for the day, we're bored. When she is there, we're tired. All right? Yeah, that's that way. You're either bored or tired. Uh, if she's not there, Bored, she's there, exhausted. And Kim's special PJ time was, she, Emily was about four, I think, three or four. And I asked Kim, it was my birthday, and which is coming up. But anyway, I, uh, no, no presents necessary. But it was my birthday, and, I, and I, she says, what, what kind of cake do you want? I go, you know what kind of cake I want. I want the cherry cake, because I grew up on a farm, and I love cherries. I used to just climb up in the cherry tree on my birthday and eat cherries till I was sick. Ah, uh, love that. That was my, that was what I did on my birthday. So, uh, so I said, I want a cherry cake. There's no cherry tree. I gotta have a cherry cake. And she's like, ah, cause it's, it's my mom's recipe and it's all from scratch. It's really hard to make, apparently. I don't see what the big deal is, but yeah. <laughs> is Kim in here or is she out teaching? Oh, yeah. All right, good. I can speak openly then. All right, so. So it's really hard to make, and the worst part is the frosting, because it's this really yummy, rich, cheery frosting. It's marchino cherry, all this stuff, yeah, and it's really rich and thick, but it, apparently it's hard to make, and, and this frosting is really thick, and so she's like, okay, I go, my mom, I said, my mom always made it for my dad for his birthday, I expect cherry cake, so and it's my mom's recipe, so she's like, okay, so I come home, I'm all excited, I'm all excited, you know, that day to get stick my finger into the cake, you know, before we have the party, I always taste it, and uh, pick off a couple of Marchino cherries, and so I get home, and I come in, and there's Kim in the kitchen, and she looked terrible, and she just looked terrible, I mean, I'm like, what happened to you, and she, and she gave me one of those, 
I shouldn't have said it. She gave me one of those faces, you know. You know the face you get when you really should never say a word, and you do. And your wife has that really intense face that could melt you, you know. And, and that's the face I got. She doesn't say a word, she has the face. I go, she, I go, where's my cake? And she goes, listen to me, you know. I will never make this cake again. It's bad enough because I got to blah, 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 blah. I didn't hear the rest of that. But, but anyway, the... Uh, the, you know, I, but then she, <laughs> then she goes, and this is the worst part. Emily was helping me. And I'm like, that's nice. She's a helpful, you know what I mean. And, and apparently while she was trying to make the frosting, which is the hardest part, she's making and Emily's asking question after question, trying to help, trying to help. Those who have ever been to our house, Bob and John have done some projects at our house and know the Emily effect, you know, trying to help help them. And, and so she's helping, 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 asking questions. And Kim got so distracted, so distracted that while she was trying to mix the frosting with Emily uh, hovering over her, that she got the beater caught in her hair. <laughs> and the beater wrapped up into her hair and... And and now now she's got this really sticky. This is really great frosting. Really sticky frosting, all in her hair. And then she couldn't get the beater out. So she's like, and so then I'm trying to blah 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 blah. I, I can't, can't remember it all, but I just remember get the beater out. And she had to cut a lot of her hair off to get the beater out. Then she had to wash, try to get the frosting out. This is really hard to get out. This is great frosting. And and she was like, I will never make this cake again. And if you complain about hair in the cake, you know, yeah. You know, anyway, it was she got Emilyed. She got Emilyed because Emily is her PJ. Her PJ. Uh, that's, and you're going to see why in just a minute. Let's see, and some of you moms can all relate, you're thinking of who or what is your PJ, uh, even though you don't know what I'm talking about quite yet. Uh, but let's see why God allows Jerichos, why he allows PJs in our lives for a very positive reason. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you for the worship leading us into your presence, able to focus in the midst of all that we're going through during the week, that we're able to focus on you and be lifted above it all and, and transcend it. Lord, we pray that your word now would, would speak to us and encourage us, Lord. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, James 1, 2 to 4. Oh, this is a good one. You're going to be sorry you came after this one. All right, here we go. I'm just kidding. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Verse 2, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. We're told to count it Pure joy. Pure joy when we're facing a trial. And boy, are we facing trials? The, long, the longest prayer list we've ever... I just told Frank and Diane who are heading up the prayer ministry for us and the shepherding for us. I said this is the longest prayer list we've ever had. So many trials and crises. The prayer team knows. You probably had to pray double this week, right? It's unbelievable. So many things are going on. But we're told when we're facing a trial, to count it as pure joy. To make, this means to make a conscious decision. 
It's, it's, it doesn't come naturally. It's a conscious decision to take a joyful attitude on when we're going through a trial. Notice I said it's a conscious decision to say, God, you've got to help me do this, and, and to, to take that joyful attitude when we're going through a trial. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm going through a struggle, I'm not too happy. I even get grumpy sometimes. Yes, it's true. Yes, it's true. Even the pastor gets grumpy sometimes. I, I'm, I'm joking. I get grumpy a lot. Uh, this came out? Not here? Okay, yeah, so good. I can keep talking openly. But anyway, uh, uh, when I think of joy, when we think of joy, we think of the beach. We think of a cruise. We think of something warm and fuzzy, right? Uh, but God thinks trials. Trials. That tough job, that pain or sickness, that loss, that problem child is not a reason to stress out, but it's a reason to enjoy. And it's not just joy, but he says, pure joy. That's where I get the PJ from, all right? You're connecting the dots out. What's your pure, what's your PJ? What's your pure joy? A pure joy. Pure, as in not mixed with any negative attitudes. <laughs> oh, this is convicting, isn't it? It's almost impossible. Well, it's humanly impossible. It's supernatural, as we're going to see. The word for trials here, the word used for trials, parasmas, and I'll tell you why I'm using that in just a minute. It means external afflictions and or internal temptation. You get that? The word for trial here can either mean an external afflictions or an internal temptation. Either one. So the hard things that happen to us, the externals, the hard things like a car accident or whatever, that would be the externals. But also internal temptation, that, that temptation that we're struggling with and fighting and getting knocked down and getting back up with, that, that's also a form of the trial, a testing for us. In fact, in Matthew 4.1, in Matthew 4.1, when Jesus was going to be, oh, I'll read it to you. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. When Jesus was being tempted by the devil in the desert, 40 days, 40 nights, that same, it's the same word that we see in James for tempted for tested, is the tempted. Same word. It's the Rasmus. Why should we enjoy trials? Is God sadistic? He enjoys our trials, so we're supposed to enjoy them. Is he sadistic? Or does he have a good purpose for those trials? Why? Why? What is his good purpose? Verse 3, because you know that the testing, James 1, 3, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. God uses the trials to test our faith. Testing of our faith uses them to test our faith, which develops perseverance in us. The word for testing here, the word that in the Greek for testing is only found in one other place in the New Testament. It's found in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. And let's turn to that. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Now get this. Talking about trials here. Peter says, In this you will greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. 
These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Proved genuine. Proved genuine. When you, the word here for proved genuine is the same word that is used in, in James for testing. All right? And the idea here is that of, of being proved, the idea is that it's proved genuine. Just like in James 3, there was a testing here. The reason for the testing is to prove that our faith is for real. It's for real. That's the purpose. And, and, and Peter, he uses this illustration, just as gold is refined by fire. Peter uses this. Just as gold is refined by fire, God refines our faith. He refines our faith in the fires of adversity. He burns out the junk. He burns out the sin. He burns out the sinful attitudes. He burns out the wrong attitudes, the attitudes that hold us back. And a and result of this is our faith ends up strengthened. The same thing with any metal. You take the metal and you burn it, burn it, burn it, keep melting, and getting rid of the, the impurities, and it's stronger when you're done. And that's re- what he's trying to show here is the result of refining, the result of testing Gold is the same thing as golden faith. Our faith has to go through the refining and the testing so that it will be strong, so that it will be untainted, so that it will be proved genuine for real. For real. John Chrysostom, 404, he was the archbishop in Constantinople, and I kept this because it's perfect. He was called the golden tongue preacher. Everybody remembers his great sermons, and he was a phenomenal preacher and touched many, many lives. But what a lot of people don't know is in 404 A.D., he was exiled to the mountains of Armenia for his faith. He says, and I'll quote, During the last two months, I have been no better than one dead. In spite of endless contrivances, I could not shake off the pernicious effects of the cold, I underwent extreme suffering, perpetual vomiting, loss of appetite, and constant sleeplessness. He spent three years under these conditions before it finally killed him. Yet Chrysostom remained faithful to Christ. He also remained a source of encouragement to the believers that were also being persecuted at this time. He had correspondence with a good friend, Olympias, who was a deaconess of the church in Constantinople. She was also exiled for her friendship with John. And she wrote him and said, why are we suffering? Why does God allow the faithful to suffer? You ever wonder that? Like this week? Like this morning? And John wrote back, and this is powerful, he said, just as goldsmiths, Throw the gold into the fire to purify it, delivering it over to the testing of the furnace. Just as coaches train the athletes in wrestling schools with much hard work, attacking them more viciously than their opponents so that every part of their bodies might be adequately prepared by exercise for the grasp of their enemies and for an easy escape. So in the same way God acts in the present life desiring to create steadfast and patiently enduring people, God allows the coin to be tried 
by every means. And then he says, in ending, learn to think and live like a Christian. And you will not only be, and you will not only not be harmed by any of these events, but will reap the greatest benefit. Learn to think, he said, learn to think like a Christian. Learn to live like a Christian. And we see what he was going through. That's what James 1.3 means. Go back to James 1.3 when it says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance. Our faith, that's what it means when it says, our faith is stronger now because the trials that God puts us through, just like a coach, the wrestling coach, just like the goldsmith refining, our trials have developed our perseverance. Perseverance. The word there for perseverance, hippomone, means steadfastness. It means spiritual toughness. The idea is spiritual toughness. And it's vital we understand this because we live in a society where the answer for every struggle we face is what? Take a pill. Isn't it true? Any trial we face... Take a pill. Now there's a time for a pill. But there's a lot of times we shouldn't take a pill. Will we pop a pill? Or will we look, will we look for that way out? Or will we persevere? Just like Israel and Jericho. They persevered. Remember we talked about going around the wall. They were faith, the faithful obedience plus faithful perseverance equaled God's purpose and powerful results. As we persevere through our trials, it accomplishes a very important purpose in our lives. A very important purpose. Verse 4 tells us what that purpose is. In James 1.4, it says, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Trials produce perseverance. As we persevere through our trials, it completes our maturity. The word there for uh, must finish its work is ergontelion. And some of you know enough about Greek to know that that means to finish its work, finish its goal. It completes the goal of, of, it completes the goal of completing us. That's what it does. God's goal is our maturity. God's goal is not our comfort. God's goal is not <laughs> an easy life. Once you get saved, it's all going to be easy and just kind of wait for heaven. That's not God's goal. God's goal is our maturity. And trials complete us if we keep the right attitude. If we don't keep the right attitude, if we don't accept God's coaching, just like the wrestling coach Chris Atom talked about, if we don't accept God's coaching, we're going to have to do it over again. We, God will put us in the same frustrating job. Wait, this is a different job. No, it's the same one. He will put us, give us the same frustrating teacher. He'll give us the same 
frustrating person who's that pain in the butt for us, right? Deja vu all over again. Uh, only the names have been changed, but we keep putting us in that same trial until we learn the lesson. And we can block God's purpose. If, if he puts us in this, we can block God's purpose. If we bail out, if we self-medicate, if we start whining, if we get bitter, or even if we just become stoic. Even becoming stoic. You know, stoic is when we just kind of endure it. Not going to experience anything. Or we just kind of endure without embracing God's purpose with joy. You ever do that? You just kind of grit your teeth? <laughs> I've done it many times. Uh, that's why I know it so well. We, we kind of grit our teeth, just put up with it. We, we don't embrace it with God's purpose with joy. And we miss out on what God is trying to do. Another great story. Some of you remember when Paul Azinger got cancer. I have an article here. It's called Paul Azinger says it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. The golfer Paul. He says when something like this happens you scream why me? Why me, God? And that's natural. When we first get hit with our trial, it's only natural we, we experience that emotion, right? We've got to work through it. He says, you can run away or you can do an about face and run to God and cling to him for your hope, Azinger says. That's what I did. I just ran to God. I realized I was not in control of my life. God allows things to happen that we don't always know or understand. But my greatest hope is in, is in the eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's where my security lies. That's where my hope lies. He said during my first chemotherapy treatments, I, I was so sick, I was vomiting every 20 minutes for nine hours. Three weeks later, clumps of my hair fell out. And yet, through all this, I learned to be content and as happy as I've ever felt in my life. I was guilty, even as a Christian, of trying to get my happiness from where I was on the money list or from winning championships. There's nothing anyone can accomplish in this world that can bring the happiness that I'm feeling right now in the midst of my cancer. If doctors told me, Zinger, you, could, you can't play golf anymore, it would be all right. This whole ordeal has been one of the greatest experiences of my life. That's embracing the trial with joy. Reminds me, I just talked to Ron and Linda yesterday, and Ron, uh, you know, they've moved out toward Harrisburg there and just found that he has brain cancer. They don't know how serious yet, but it's obviously serious. But I was talking to him, and I, he was just, Chuck, tell everybody thanks for praying, but I'm okay. He was trying to make me laugh the whole time. He's like, it's okay. He had, he had so much, he goes, I have so much peace and joy, he said, because of my faith. And he's, you know, just talking about if God calls me to the light, I'm there. And if he keeps me here, that's great. Because I have a hope no matter what. 
That's that supernatural peace. Peace. And this goes for temptation too. The word, remember, for testing is not just external circumstances, but it's temptations. How do we like temptation? Well, sometimes we like it too much, but, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's not something we like to have to deal with. Why, God, just take this temptation away from me, out of my life. But it goes for temptation too. Remember Matthew 4.1, Jesus' temptation. God allowed it for a purpose. In fact, in Hebrews 2.10, it talks about what God's purpose for Jesus being tempted was. In Hebrews 2.10, he says, In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, from whom, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Now, we know Jesus was already perfect, but God... God perfected his plan for Jesus' life through suffering. And what was that suffering? Verse 18 says what the suffering was. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus' suffering was his temptation. He suffered because of that. So that he could help us. Jesus knows exactly what we are going through. Whatever you're struggling with, Jesus knows exactly what we are going through. God uses temptation in our life to test us and to strengthen our faith if we obey and persevere. Every time we get knocked out, we get back up, we persevere. If we obey and persevere, the walls crack, the walls come down. As, as we go through that, God uses it to strengthen our faith. If we'll submit to God and resist the devil. James 4, 7, a couple of verses further on. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If we'll submit to God and resist, he'll, he will make us stronger spiritually. But if we don't, it won't. <laughs> Every little compromise leads to a bigger one. Every little victory leads to a, a, a bigger victory. It strengthens us. Or strengthens us. If, but if we don't, it won't. If we just give in, if we just justify our sin, God made me this way. You know why he made me like this? God doesn't really mean that, you know, in the Bible. He doesn't really mean that. What it, he doesn't, what it, the Bible doesn't really mean what it says. You ever hear those arguments? You ever use them? You ever use them on God? We all have, haven't we? And it's the same lie in the garden. Did God really say that? Is that really what God... Anytime we don't want to follow something. Did God really mean that? Does it really say that? God uses temptation. Just not only outward trials, but he uses temptation because he wants us to fight it. He wants us to grow spiritually through it. He wants us to mature through it. How is God perfecting us? How is he refining us today? How are we responding? Do we just give up? Do we just give in to that temptation, to that sin? Or do we persevere with joy? Do we persevere with joy? No matter how many times we fall, we get back up again. We persevere. No matter how many times we get knocked down. No matter how many times we go through a trial. We persevere with joy. Do we do that? My, uh, there's, like I said, many, many people going through trials here. The prayer, rec the prayer list was at a record. And 
that's one of the reasons why I reconnected, not just for Jericho, but for that reason too here. I put something in the bulletin, an insert. This, I received this when my Uncle Norm, who was in ministry, died. My Aunt Carol sent me this insert. And she said, this is something that your Uncle Norm, who was in ministry for many, many years, this is something that he, he really looked to and, and depended on. He had cancer over and over again, but kept on in the ministry, kept ministering faithfully. Even as he retired, he still kept doing a, a jail ministry and, and writing to prisoners. and Incredible life of ministry. But this, I'm giving you kind of the, the final version, but there were, he had these notes written all over, all around it about his own life. And it's the seven steps to follow when a trial is sent into your life. And I hope that you put this somewhere, that you'll see it. Very convicting and encouraging. It says, number one, when a crisis comes, acknowledge that the Lord is trying to get your attention. Number two, assume that the trial... is no accident... It shifts your eyes from the circumstances to the Lord. Number three, by faith, thank him for the trial. Your life is in, is in his hands. Anyone who loves you as much as he loves you will never hurt you. Ask the Lord for wisdom to see what he is trying to teach you, James 1.5. Be cheerful in your situation. Sad complaints are really expressions of doubt in God's wisdom and goodness. Tell God you are willing to make changes. You want to be like Jesus no matter what the cost. When he convicts you that a change is necessary, admit your need immediately so that he can relieve the pressure. And finally, number seven, as you feel the pain reaching for maturity, remember this. When I am getting the worst of it, God is making the most of it to see that I get the best of it. Easy to say, right? And yet he went through years of painful cancer and continued to minister faithfully. Some secrets for us there, huh? Are we letting our trials grow us? Are we allowing them to grow other people, even our kids? It's hard, isn't it, when it involves our kids and trials? But we must let them struggle. We must let them fail. That's right, helicopter parents out there. <laughs> we have to let our kids fail. Because until we let them fail... Until it happens, they will never learn to depend on God instead of us. It's very important that they, 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 hear me, they need to learn to depend on God instead of on us. And they only learn that through struggling and failing. And that's what helps them to truly grow. I know on the, on the farm we learned this lesson, and I've talked about this before we learned this lesson very quickly 
we would see cocoons and the little butterfly trying to come out of the cocoon. And I remember as kids, we would try to help that butterfly out because it was taking so long. And is it dead? Is it going to get out? What's going to happen? And we, I, remember, I remember very vividly peeling it out, trying to open it up a little bigger and help that, that butterfly come out. And it came out with its wings all folded and all that. And, and it stayed like that. It couldn't fly. It just died. Because the struggle is what pushed the blood of the butterfly, whatever it is, butterfly blood, whatever the liquid is, pushed it into the wings. That struggle is what forced that liquid into the wings so that it would make it able to fly. Same with baby chickens. I remember helping the little chickens out. Felt so sorry. Wait, it's not even, it's got to be dead. I remember like peeling it a little bit more and helping it out. And, and that little chicken came out and was crippled and died. Because the struggle is what prepared its muscles. And, and made it possible for that to walk when it came out. And so many times as parents... If we don't let them struggle, they're gonna, our kids are going to be crippled. Emotionally, mentally crippled, and even die spiritually. If we don't let them go through these struggles. And, and coach them. Help, but let them struggle. What trial is God using in our life? What temptation? Maybe it's our marriage, our family, it's our job, it's our finances, it's sickness, it's loss, it's persecution. It could be a person who is a real pain, that real pain that, that God has put in our life. I remember when Josh and Nate were little. You wouldn't know it now because they're good friends, but when they were little, they fought sometimes, especially when Josh hit like 7th, 8th grade and Nate was still a couple years younger. And you know, you kind of hit that maturity and the other one's still young. And, and oh, Nate just made Josh crazy. Made him nuts. Oh, did he bug him. And I never forget Josh one time said, <laughs> Dad, it would be easy to be a Christian if it wasn't for Nate. Now they're good friends. And now other ones are pain in the butts to them, you know, but, uh, the younger ones. But that painful person could be your best friend. Well, they are best friends now, but that painful person could be your best friend. God is using that person to perfect you. Maybe God is using trials to bring, you to, to, to bring us to faith. Maybe you're here saying you're not a Christian yet and God is using the trials, the struggles, the temptations to bring you to faith. You're not a Christian yet, but he's using that hard time to bring you to your knees and bring you to the cross. And for the first time, many of us remember when that happened, we're, we faced some incredible trial in our life. And for the first time, we realized that we needed God in this life and for eternal life someday. We needed him. But we cannot have that relationship. We can't have God's help, that relationship with God unless he's our father. And there's the only way he can become our father is that we have the forgiveness of our sins which block our relationship. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he came to be suffer. That's why he came to be tempted. That's why he came to die in our place. John 3.16 For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God has made the way through his son Jesus. It's the only way to the Father. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? Maybe here, Tane, you're not a, you have never put your faith in Jesus. You're not a Christian yet. But God has used something in your life. He sent a blessing of a trial into your life to bring you to your knees. To show you that you need God. You need him for this life. And you need him if you're ever going to have eternal life. There's only one way for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life life. Have you ever believed in Jesus Christ? Have you ever put your faith, the word believe means to put your faith, your trust, your complete hope in Jesus? Have you ever done that? You can do it right now. Right where you're sitting, right where you're standing, right where you are, right this very moment, you can put your faith in Jesus Christ. Say, God, I believe Jesus suffered for me. And he died on a cross for me. For my sin. For everything I've ever done wrong that is a wall between me and you, God, I believe Jesus died for me. I repent of that sin. I ask you to forgive me for that sin. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. I give my life to him. If you have surrendered your life to God through his son Jesus, the wall between you and God, this wall of hostility, the wall of sin, the wall of rebellion has come crashing down just like the walls of Jericho. They've come crashing down. And you now can talk to God as your Father, your perfect Heavenly Father. You can talk to Him anytime, no matter what you're going through. He is there for you. You are now His child. And you will experience the love of God in ways you never thought possible. Even no matter what you're going through, the mercy and grace and love of God you're going to experience. If you've given your life to Jesus today, I want to encourage you, strongly encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you're here with a family or friend. 
Let me know on the way out. Fill out the card, email, text, call. Let, let me know. Let someone know so that we can be excited and encourage you in your new life in Christ. For those of us who are already Christians, as we do, finish with this time of prayer, what is our PJ? How is God refining us? Will we allow him to complete us? Will we choose, make the choice, will we choose joy in the midst of this trial? Will we embrace that pure joy that God has sent into our life and the purpose of that joy, the purpose of this PJ that he has sent into our life? Father, it's so hard when we're in the midst of a trial and a struggle. It's so hard because we want to focus on the, the trial instead of focusing on your purpose. But Lord, I pray that as we walk out today, as we go back out into the battle, Father, I pray that we would see every trial as a PJ, a pure joy, looking for your purpose in that trial. We pray this, Lord. We pray that we know only your grace and mercy can accomplish this. It has to be supernatural. It's not humanly possible. We pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us to do this. In Jesus' name, amen.